Well, welcome to the journey that we have uh, Will Peterson with us today. Um, and I know we've gotten to know each other over over the past year with a couple of events that you've uh, helped me out with. Um, but let me explain a little bit um, for you and for some new listeners about what the journey is about. And the journey is uh, just simply a, a show in which we have individuals on um, sometimes just ordinary individuals who've had uh, different things go on in their life where they either have encountered something in their personal life or been affected by something. And then that event or a series of events have helped transform them into who they are now and, and what they're involved with now. So, um, and I know you have a, a pretty interesting story and you're involved with a lot of different things. So uh, Will, I, I welcome to welcome you to the journey and, and to our listeners today. So, uh, Thank you, Kevin. So, so when we get started, I always uh, start off with asking um, our guests um, uh, something a little bit about who they are and, and what they're up to. But um, as we go into that, um, what does Will do for fun? When you have an opportunity to have fun, what do, what do you do for fun? Oh, that's, it. that's simple. Uh, <laughs> I'm a water boy. So it, it, it usually involves travel. Um, okay. I, I, I am a huge... Uh, uh, avid traveler. Um, it, that also means, you know, whether it be, you know, an hour away or somewhere in the United States. And I do like to try to get out and, and see some other parts of the world. Um, but it usually involves getting close to water. Uh, okay. and the ocean is a big deal to me. Okay. Or, uh, you know, just boating and uh, outdoors mostly really when it comes down to it, just anything going on outdoors, hiking, fishing, and, uh, you know, and a lot of athleticism too. I like that as well. So I, I try to stay active. Sure, sure. And I know this is going to probably be a difficult question to answer, but when, when you think of all the different places that you've gone, um, where would be a kind of a place that kind of either stands out to you as far as uh, like just, you know, either, either the, the people that you met there or just the, the landscape that you saw, what, what would be kind of a place that would stand out to you? Uh, you know, funny, I just, I just mentioned, uh, how much I love the ocean, but actually the two places that stand out, uh, have nothing to do with that. Um, the first thing that came to mind was, uh, I had a chance to go over to England, um, and I went all over, went, uh, through, um, Wales and England, uh, Ireland, uh, and, but Scotland as Edinburgh, Scotland specifically. Oh, wow. Um, some, it just, it, it felt like I was leaving my, my um, current place in life and going back into the middle ages. I mean, it was like castles and um, just the preservation of the landscape there, how, you know, you could just kind of see how um, life was like back during uh, times of kings and queens and knights and armies that, you know, were battling for position in the world. I don't know. I just got into it. I was completely wrapped into it. Um, so Edinburgh, Scotland. Okay. Uh, and then uh, just because of just the sheer beauty of it, um, uh, De you know, the Colorado, Denver, Colorado Springs area up in the Rockies. Um, last year, I, I had a trip out there. I, I love bears for some reason. And I saw my first bear in the wild. And uh, the next day I was getting a tattoo of a bear on my arm the next day. I just felt like it was some sort of a connection. So I went and did that. <laughs> sure, 
sure, sure. I can uh, I can relate. I, I can re- definitely relate. Colorado, uh, probably one of my closest places to my heart is the Black Hills in South Dakota, but uh, probably a close second to that is. Um, out in the Rocky Mountains, either the National Park or down and down in Colorado Springs or the Garden of the Gods. So it's just uh, it's just a beautiful place, Aspen, all that that area. So yeah, yeah. Uh, and, I, and I can relate to uh, uh, the the symbolism and and the aspect that kind of connects with it. Um, if there is a particular animal spirit that you connect with, uh, you you want to you want to make that make sure that connection stays permanent. So that's what that's why we put ink on our body sometimes, Absolutely. right? Absolutely, <laughs> and I, I know you've got plenty yourself, yeah. and I've got a few of mine. But yeah, when I saw that, I saw this uh, this I actually saw two bears out there, a black bear initially on a hike, and then um, I was ending the hike, and this big brown bear comes coming out comes out of the woods, and he's interested. Like he, he, he knows I'm there. I mean, we all know, you know, the instincts of the instincts of a bear, you know, he knew I was there. I watched him for 30 minutes at least. I mean, I, you know, took videos, took, you know, pictures and just stood and just was there in that moment. And then, uh, like I said, I was like, I've never seen a bear before and I'm not going to let that moment pass. So the next day, like I said, I was getting ink on my arm, trying to, trying to remember that, you know, Sure, sure. Well, and I think there's something to be said about trying to to savor and crystallize that moment, and and not only going through the experience of then get you know getting a tattoo for that, but then you also uh, have a have a a, a daily uh, reminder of that uh, as well, and can kind of ground you and bring you back to that same space. Uh, and uh, and give purpose, you know. Yeah. Exactly. And, and sometimes in the midst of uh, everyday life, we need that because we will, we think we can only get it if we go to Colorado. And I know for me, it was a lesson a long time ago. How do I bring Colorado or how do I bring the Black Hills to Rockford? Because at the moment I'm not moving. So I can't just only have those spiritual connections and those spiritual moments when I'm there. I have to figure out how to bring it back here uh, as well. Huh. So. And I, and I, and that's, I enjoy your question because when, you know, what, I, what do I like to do for fun? You know, that's changed a lot right now. Right. You know, so, you know, um, travel looks a lot different and, uh, I recognize that, but I'm still wanting to be who I am. So I'm getting myself, you know, out of my house, getting, you know, getting into a car, go find a lake, go find something that is, um, you know, not just the norm right now because the norm doesn't always feel so great you know (laughs) we're all kind of stuck in these cubes right now you know um so i think it's important to get out there and you know just continue to do the things you love um stay engaged and uh it's it's good it's good mental health you know at the end of the day yeah Absolutely. So, so, uh, so, Will, are you? Uh, you've been in Rockford now for an extended period of time, but you're not. You're not from Rockford. You're from uh, up in Wisconsin, right? Yeah. Well, I'm kind of just sort of a Midwest guy. Um, okay. Okay. I was born in Minnesota. Um, okay. A little well, Winona, Minnesota. So you know, people know where Winona is, but then I lived in a small town called Rushford, Minnesota, for um, most of my you know single uh, you know my my from from the time of birth till around eight or nine years old. And then from there, I just sort of started moving around a lot. I mean, my family just, we bounced from Minnesota down to Tennessee, back up to Michigan. I have lived as far north as Marquette, Michigan, which is way up there. 
and the upper, uh, the UP. Um, I still have a little bit of that accent and every now I say a, <laughs> Uh, and then, uh, yeah. And then Wisconsin was really kind of where I landed for, you know, like high school. Um, and that's where, you know, that took me to getting involved with the career that I have now as a fire, you know, in the fire service. And, uh, I was just, you know, young testing for any city or, you know, in all over. I mean, I tested for like Milwaukee, Chicago, Colorado Springs, Colorado, and also places around here, Madison, Rockford, and Rockford was where I got hired as a firefighter at the age of 22 years old. Okay. And so I was young. I came on, you know, that's pretty young. You have to be at least 21 to be hired. So I was 22. And, you know, so I kind of just, I've kind of grown up in the fire service. Sure. To this point, you know, so. Sure, sure. Yeah. So so a little bit more of the backstory. What, uh, so mom and dad, you have siblings? Yeah. Yep. So I have three sisters. Okay. And, uh, we're all, you know, unfortunately we're all spread out. Uh, so we're, we're no one's close to each other, um, including my, you know, my parents. And so that's, you know, that's, that's over the years has has been kind of a, a tough thing to, um, not, you know, so when you're not from, a city like Rockford, for example, you know, you, you come in trying to make your, your a fan, you know, your friends and, and then you realize as you get older, you know, your, your, your family be, is becoming more and more important. And yet our family has struggled with distance. And so my dad lives in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, my mom and one sister lives down in uh, Springfield, Missouri. And then I have another sister out in Nebraska, and my third sister out in um, California. None of this lends itself a lot of opportunity to come together. Sure, you know? sure. So, uh, you know, and those, that's always been just challenges, you know, for our family is, is how to keep connected. And sometimes we do better and sometimes we don't do so well. You know? Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, timing is everything. Yep. It's really what it kind of comes down to, you know, so uh locally you know really my my family are my friends and uh that's what i've um really gained from the time here in rockford is a great group of friends an awesome career for sure i love i've loved my career um and i've had a lot of good fortune with it and i've had a lot of uh you know times where i've i've had to professionally see things that are hard to see you know the 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 traumatic events of of being a firefighter you have a lot of um you know there's a lot of death and dying in it there's a lot of injury there's a lot of people who suffer from all kinds of uh, ailments that we deal with this you know the fires themselves and things like that and then um and then there's a lot of growth there too as far as how to um you know be your best develop who you want to be I started out as a junior firefighter and today I sit here as a district chief. So sure. had a, I've had a good arc, if you will, and, and I'm happy where I'm at. Yeah. So, so with, with that, I mean, um, so you, I think you mentioned earlier that Wisconsin, um, when you were in Wisconsin was where, that's where you graduated from high school, right? Yeah. Yeah. A little yeah. town called Albany, Wisconsin. Okay. okay. Uh, 1,050 people. 
Okay. All right. And so did you play sports at there or were you involved yeah. with extracurricular activity? What, what kind of sports were you involved with back when you were in high school? Yeah. So I, um, I, I, I ran cross country mostly. Um, that was sort of the, the, the top thing that our top sport I did wrestling. Um, and then I did all the other stuff too. I, I had a class of 32. Wow. Okay. So, you know, when you're, when you're 32 people, like you kind of end up all, you know, you all do everything. You know, I was in the plays. I was, I was in band all, you know, I play the tuba of all, of all instruments. So, uh, yeah. And, uh, so between, you know, just, yeah, sports, like I said, cross country wrestling, um, playing in the band playing. And, you know, I, I was in, um, a lot of different things. Uh, I was in, uh, debate, uh, forensics, if you will. Um, I don't know if people know what that is, but I did that a lot too. So just basically whatever was offered by the school, I was a participant. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting that, uh, and there seems to be a common theme um, when I talk to people who uh, go to, have come from like a small setting, a small school setting, right, is that they, they have a tendency, like you said, everybody, because you're, you're low in numbers, everybody has to be involved with stuff. So you yeah. end up getting exposed to a lot more things than, than where, where there's a tendency in bigger schools where you, you kind of, you're a one sport athlete or maybe a two sport athlete, or if you do sports, you don't do the arts. If you do the arts, you don't do the sports. And, and for sure you don't do, don't do the band if you're in sports because the band's playing while you're playing, you know? So, yeah. so it's, it's, it's interesting. Uh, and I'm glad you brought that up because that's, I think sometimes we miss out by not having that exposure because we think we need to specialize, but you're 14. You don't need to specialize at 14. You don't need to specialize. Um, you need to exper experiment and experience things to find out what you might be, what you might like. And who knows, it may come back and you come out some other way. And you know, when you're yeah. in your twenties or thirties. So, uh, Go ahead. It looks like you yeah. got something to say there. Well, no, I, I think it's interesting. And, and I, I, just for any, you know, anyone that's listening or, or watching this, I got to be up front. I have no children. I don't, I, I have not, I, you know, I'm, and so the reason I say that is because I have no perspective as to what it's like to raise kids in today's world. Okay. But to your, to what you're kind of driving at, or at least what I'm hearing is, um, like, I feel like when I was in high school, I was already in a club of 32 people and it was dependent upon us as a, you know, as a group of, of classmates to fulfill all the roles, you know, get into cross country, play the football, the basketball players you had your, and then you had the ones that, you know, we, we did, I can remember that I was in two plays. I was in a Bye Bye Birdie in Oklahoma. I actually okay. sang. <laughs> I did songs. <laughs> I can't believe that. Uh, you know, um, like I said, I, you know, it was a debate team um, uh, and, you know, and then, you know, obviously band and, you know, music was a huge part of my upbringing too. I mean, I did continue that on. I actually transitioned over to the bass guitar and uh, I, you know, play a little bit of that. I'm not wonderful at it, but I'm, I, I enjoy to do it. Sure. But my point is, is that like, like you say, like, I mean, I, I bounce all over the place and I think that was a good thing today. It's interesting. Like all of my friends who have kids, like 
everything's about a certain club to be in. It seems like, you know, like a travel team, softball, but there's very, there's like a lot of focus in, in, on that one, maybe that one sport or whatever. I, I know there's kids out there who they're into everything too. You know, you, you have, you know, the, the, the go, the ones that are out there just, you know, driven to be a part of all that. But I don't know. It, it, it's, it's definitely different. I'm also, you know, I'm 46 years old now. So of course things are different. I have, I have no perspective on, on, on what's really going on there today. Well, but I think at the same time, you know, you had your own experiences and then you know what you did with those experiences and you're observing certain things. It's not that one's right or wrong. It's just that I, I know, I know for me, I was a, I came from a school that was, that was bigger. I mean, I graduated from Harlem. And so it was even back in the eighties, it was pretty good size. Um, pretty good size. I think I had 500 in my class. Um, and, um, and but in my mind, I I pigeonholed myself as a certain type of athlete. What sports I could do, and what I thought I would, and based upon what I thought I would be good at, is what how I pigeonholed my whole pigeonholed myself that way. And then as far as the arts, never even considered that. And I have a deep appreciation for the arts now, but yeah. but I don't but I don't have any experience other than. Uh, a, a sideline participant, you know, and, and never been on stage, uh, other than you know, from an instruction or teaching standpoint. It it, it, def it definitely shapes them. Um, going, you know, again, going back to, you know, the sports that I did, for example, wrestling and cross country. Um, let's just face, you know, face the facts: where I was never big enough to play football. You know, um, I wasn't coordinated enough to play basketball, if you will but I could put on a pair of shoes and I could run. And, um, and that has also led over, you know, time for me, that's led me into my adult life where I enjoyed that, that, um, that effort so much that, you know, it allowed me to run a couple marathons. It, it, it allowed me to go and do some CrossFit games and some tough mutters and, a triathlon at the, I did a triathlon when I was 40 years old. Um, that was what I actually did. I think on my 40th birthday, to be honest with you. Um, so, you know, that's a, a thing that you just sort of, you inherently take in as you're a high schooler or a middle schooler, or a high schooler, or whatever, as you're developing. And then if you stick with it, it carries with you just like, you know, playing the tuba. It wasn't, I gotta be honest with you. It wasn't the sexiest instrument to play. I started playing it when I was in the sixth grade and I didn't, the only reason why, because we didn't have enough money to uh, get a different type of instrument, but the school had a tuba. So I was the tuba player, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but it lends itself to um, now, as I, you know, sit here today, I still play music. I still love music. And in fact, when I hear music, I hear the deeper tones, the undertrack. You know, and I, I hear that drive, that beat, the, the bass, the, you know, that kind of thing. So that's kind of what drives me. Um, I was in the plays, if you will. So I, you know, ask, ask anyone that I've ever been with, dated, whatever. I love movies. I know Hollywood. I know pop culture. I don't know why, but I just do. It sticks in my head. Sure, sure. So. Yep. 
Well, and and I think that's a great. It's 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 probably if for anybody's listening that that is one of a huge takeaways. Right, is that it has more to do with the exposure and the experience to things, and what seeds it's going to plant versus. Uh, the outcome, right? So, so many times, I know for me, at least, I remember being very much focused on the outcome, even as a middle schooler and high schooler, um, that the outcome was, in my mind, was supposed to be the point. When in reality, the sports that I played and the activities that I was involved with were really more of a a, a metaphor for how I was going to learn how to do life and then be a template how to do life later. And I think the arts... Um, in all types of forms of arts and all types of forms of, uh, of sport and activities like that um, very much play the same way, play out the same way for us. I, I, yeah. And, and, and one thing that I just was, was as I was listening to you, um, what, what really, you know, drives a lot of it or what establishes a lot of it is the discipline that we end up taking on, you know, that we learn how to discipline ourselves, that we understand what, you know, commitment is, you know, if you sign up, if you sign up for a team and, you know, if you really buy in, then you understand that you're there for, you know, you're there to be your best for yourself, but you're also, you become dependent upon by other people, yep. you know? And so that's, you know, again, sport, that's, you know, if, if you're the, if you're the linebacker, you know, you better be able to lineback, you know, you better be able to block, you're protecting other people, right? Yep. Um, if you're, if you're the fourth position runner on a cross country team, you might not be the fastest, but you're not the slowest and they want your, you know, you, you, you got to come in and deliver. Um, uh, so anyways, yeah, you know, and that goes back to everything we've been talking about so far is, is all these things create a good set of discipline skills that you're going to, you know, if you do it well, and if you give it up, if you give it your all, you're going to have a good set of life skills down the road that's going to help you along the way. Yeah. And, and, and I can think of multitudes of times that something became a base, which then I built off of. So if I could do that in football, then I can do, take the same type of template and do it with bodybuilding, same, same type of template I did with bodybuilding to become the best therapist I could be or in business or an instructor or whatever it may be. And, and the template doesn't necessarily change that much. It's just now we're just in a different environment different activity or different thing that we're channeling those same values, the same skills that we've been developed. So what I want to ask, how did, what intrigued you or how did the whole fire services get started? What, how did that all happen? What's, how did that all come about? So I've, I've been asked that uh, a lot over the years. Um, and I never was really comfortable to talk about why I got into the fire service because it involved, um, not a great thing. Um, but it was, it, but now I'm on, you know, I'm like, I'm honest about it. Like I, um, I happened to come upon a classmate who had been in, a, I, I came upon him within seconds of him being in a motorcycle crash. Uh, and he was, uh, severely injured. Um, I actually, you know, stopped, I picked him up, I put him in my, my car. I was driving into the little village of Albany and uh got him to a farmhouse 911 was called um back at that time you know in 1991 or 92 i can't forget the year but um i think 1991 was when that occurred i had just gotten my driver's license and uh so i was like 16 
years old, obviously. And um, yeah, it was, it was that, it was that experience of picking up being coming upon someone who I personally knew who had been seriously hurt in this motorcycle wreck and uh, just seeing that kind of how that unfolded and it stuck in my head. And as I saw him being taken care of and the fire truck shows up, the ambulance shows up, I just, I kind of took to it. I thought that was something that I could do. Sure, sure. And, um, and then I got interested in the local town, the little volunteer fire department. And I walked in one day and I can remember even to this day, I know what that little fire station smells like. Sure. Yeah, I, I'm not kidding. And even now, when I go into some of the smaller communities in Rockford, I've, I've done a lot of teaching in the fire service over the years. And when I go into some of these firehouses, they all smell the same as to the Albany fire station. And I don't know why that sticks with us, you know, but it sure. sticks with me anyways. Yeah. So that's it. That it was that incident, that that moment, yeah. and that's what got me interested. Sure, and and I imagine, uh, you know, then as you as you started with a volunteer, and you were young when you started the volunteer. Did you say seventeen? Seventeen. Yeah. So so that was pretty pretty young, right? Yeah. And I imagine that then those experiences that you had then were all affirming and validating that you were on you were on a path that could, could lead to a future. Yeah. Um, it, 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 as I sit and think about it, it, it's weird how everything about, as I moved closer and closer to the fire service, I actually physically did move closer and closer to the fire service. I first started as a volunteer. I was living outside of Albany. I was, you know, using my personal vehicle to go in and out of the village and go to training nights and things like that. My senior year, um, my parents ended up moving further away. They were moving to Missouri, and I didn't want to leave as a senior. So I got, I, I, I was, uh, I turned 18 my senior year. I got my own place. I got a little, little apartment uh, in downtown Albany. I was literally three minutes away from the fire station. I, I ran down to the fire station when the little beeper went off. <laughs> and then from there, uh, because I knew I wanted to be a firefighter, I ended up getting um, into an inter internship program in Fitchburg, Wisconsin. Uh, and I actually lived in the fire station as an intern for, for two years. Okay. So it was like, I just kept getting closer and closer and closer and actually physically closer. And by the time, you know, I was graduating from college, I was actually like living in a fire station 24 seven. Okay. Okay. And, uh, and then, like I said, I, you know, earlier in the, in the broadcast, I started testing to become a full-time firefighter around the country. And it just happened to be that Rockford, Illinois was the place. Sure. Um, so, so, um, so then right out of high school at Albany, did you, well, you did college right away? Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and, so and, I, I did college and I also pursued a, simultaneously college and pursued a pathway you know, to be, to be a full-time firefighter. I got you. Okay. And what did you study? Is it fire science? What did you study as far as your, your major? Yeah. So initially I was, it was fire science and then, um, and then ultimately I ended up, ended up beginning a bachelor's in public administration. Oh, I see. Okay. Gotcha. And so, so at, at that point you, you had already, uh, 
started some some things unfolded even in college that you might see yourself definitely being a fire in the fire service but also may be in leadership roles or administration at some point yeah i again um i i don't exactly know where i got it um i'd I'd like to give some credit out there to other people who you know influenced me uh, in a lot of ways i can still remember um the current fire chief and and we talked a little we talked a lot about albany today and it's interesting that I, I was recently back in, in, in Albany visiting just to drive by, just to kind of go down memory lane. And I happened to come upon a guy by the name of Danny Mueller, who was kind of a mentor to me in Albany. And he's now the fire chief there, you know, and I've now seen him in his transition of life. You know, he's, he's older than what I remember him to be. Um, but we got, we actually said, we got, uh, got together or we, we stopped and saw each other and we talked for, a half hour and caught up with each other about a month ago. Nice. Uh, which was kind of cool. Um, but along the way, I mean, I watched my mom, for example, my mother, you know, she, she had my, in high school, she had myself and my sister and she was, you know, she was the primary caregiver. She was the, she was the breadwinner, you know, my, you know, my parents were divorced, separated. So she put herself through nursing school. She worked nights, third shift all through high school. Um, she was became a nurse at UW-Madison uh, Hospital. So she had to drive, you know, 45 minutes each, each night and then get up, you know, and come back home in the morning. I saw that drive of hers and I think that's where I got mine. And so that's just where I've always kind of been always looking for what I'm, what I should be doing next. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, leadership was always important to me, being a part of, of, of shaping the industry, being a part of change and evolving as the fire service has evolved over the last 25 years. There's been a lot of tremendous evol- uh, evolution there. Um, and just you know, positioning myself so that I would be able to make good choices down the road, which is where I'm at today. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I again, like I, I mean, I've had a lot of great opportunity to go back to school, get degrees, go to a lot of different trainings throughout the country, uh, to the East Coast, out to Nevada, down to uh, Socorro, New Mexico, for for some pretty intensive trainings, and it, it's all shaped where I'm at today. Sure, yeah. sure, yeah, and and I think that is in. in it's one of the things that we stress a lot here on the journey is that the idea that you know things don't happen accidentally in our life. They're, they're, that's, those are seeds are being planted. There's different people that we come encounter in our lives and it's all part of the story that's unfolding and, and going to unfold, right? And we never know, um, and sometimes we, we label it as, well, that was a bad experience or, or that was, I didn't, you know, that was negative. It's the worst thing in the world, but we don't know. It's, it's, it's more about what we do when that happens. Uh, kind of like what happened to your, your friend, your classmate who was in that accident that ended up, even though, it, you know, thank goodness it doesn't sound like it was, uh, you know, fatal, right. um, but it ended up being something that planted a huge seed in you for a trajectory of your life. And um, so speaking of uh, the fire services and obviously, you know, 25 plus years being involved with the fire service, 25, almost 25 now um, being with Rockford. um, 
obviously you've seen a ton of things. You've seen a lot of uh, evolutions of, of with, with the use of technology and, 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 and obviously now with the world is, is in a different space, you know, going through what we're doing right now with a pandemic and that's obviously been influencing things. But as you think, um, going back and try to, you know, remembering back, um, we have a family friend of ours that he's just been in the fire Rockford fire department in the last two years. He just started in the, in the past two years and just watching him just evolve in the last two years has been just amazing as he's um, developed and grown just in the, in those two years, always a great kid, always had a great heart, super athletic. And, but I can just see as he's matured and developed, um, you know, emotionally, physically, um, what would be some of the things that you would say that you've seen yourself evolve over the last 25 years as being part of, uh, being part of the fire services in Rockford? Well, perspective, perspectives all team that, you know, um, when, when I was very young, uh, you kind of look at it um, in, in real basic terms and, and they want you to look at it. When I say they, the, the most, most organizations, fire department, police departments, they, they, they don't want you to overthink too many things at the beginning. Um, not that they don't want you to think for yourself, but they want you to dial yourself in and understand the, the basic concepts of, of what we're trying to do, the delivery of services, rescue, fire, EMS, you know, be dialed in, be ready, excited to get on the fire truck and go out the door, you know, and answer the call. It's really, you know, this, it, it, that's kind of basic. If you think about it, you know, get, get out, you know, get up out of your chair, get out of your bunk, get on the fire truck, get on the ambulance and get out the door and go help people. Um, over time, the, the, just the delivery of services, the demand that the, that society puts on emergency services is, far greater than I could have ever known that it, it was going to be. And I think that's an interesting thing to me. I'm, it's not a complaint. It's, it, it, it really is a fabric in our life that is sort of always there, but we don't always see it. So if you're kind of living your day-to-day -day life and you're doing just fine, you don't really have to think about the firefighters and in the stations and, and around the, the city that you live in you don't really think about that those services are sort of just sort of there waiting for you to have an emergency and be there ready for you in case you need us. And more and more over the last 25 years, there has been, for whatever reason, there's been a, a greater need to call upon us. More and more people, more calls are coming in, more demand on the system. Um, and yet, for example, in the city of Rockford, the population hasn't grown by very much. In fact, it's, it's declined a little bit, unfortunately. But um, the demand for service has gone up exponentially by percentages. When I came on the job, I think we were running around 10,000 calls a year in 1996. And just last year, we were just shy of 30,000 calls. Wow. Okay. So how does that, how do you equate that? Right, you know right. I mean, yeah, you know, so if the population hasn't changed, but our demand of services has changed, it's it's there's evidence there that the communities out of society as a whole is leaning on the emergency services, you know, to include hospitals and clinics, emergency rooms, and that kind of thing. It's not just, and that's the other part of it too that I have perspective on is that 
it's not just about me. It's not just about, you know, just our organization, the fire department, any fire department is, is integrating into other services, other emergency management services, other mobile health services, mental health is, 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 is on the horizon or it's there. I mean, we're actually there. I mean, we're, we're doing things with, in terms of mental health and delivery of services. It's just a big difference between then and now. Well, and, and that kind of leads me into what I was, that I, I've come to realize that you're more and more involved with, it seems like, is, is about trainings and doing, doing trainings. Um, so tell us a little bit about that, because obviously, if it's gone up, if I did the math correctly, um, but that's why I'm a social worker, so I may not have, but if it's gone up five times, um, since in the last 25 years, as far as the number of calls, but the population hasn't increased, there's definitely a perception, um, a perception of how the fire department can be utilized just on calls, as well as maybe there is an increase in acuity, that maybe there's an increase in, in different things that are happening, but there's also been probably a cultural shift about accessing services. Um, and, and so when, when, and I imagine training has the training for not just the, the indip- individuals that are working in the fire department has changed over time, but you, you guys are also involved within the community about doing community trainings as, as well. Cause I know that's how we met by just, you know, being involved with my suicide awareness program about how to increase awareness about mental health. Sure. So yeah, t- tell us a little bit about as, as far as, I guess maybe twofold. One is there's, uh, there's I think there's an aspect of, because we had, I had an individual, um, his name's Jeff Dill, and he is on a national organization for fire, um, firefighters, um, and the impact of, uh, of what firefighters are exposed to on a regular basis from a mental health standpoint. Um, he got involved with it, uh, as, his, as he told me his story, um, after I believe it was Hurricane Katrina and some of the individuals that were deployed from there, and they came back um, to, to their, to their um, host fire department, um, station and there was uh, secondary trauma that they experienced and they that people were beginning to ask for help for the first time he saw firefighters asking for their own help regarding themselves for for the secondary trauma that they'd been exposed to um, and so Jeff did a, a great job talking about that um, because his goal is to reduce the amount of suicides by 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 firefighters um, and um, and so in the midst of regarding mental health of mental health of uh, the firefighters themselves, as well as working with individuals, um, uh, you know, doing house, doing calls to the domestic calls and, and as well as on accident sites, um, what, what things are the Rockford Fire Department doing right now as far as training goes? Well, I, I, I think, well, some of the things that, you know, the Rockford Fire is, is, getting into it. Rockford Fire Department is doing a tremendous job of getting involved with a, a lot of things. Um, just taking, you know, the emergency service um, uh, disciplines that we, that we do for, you know, obviously instructor fires, um, auto accidents, medical calls, and then you add on any kind of like technical rescue, a building collapse, a um, um, confined space rescue, hazmat, 
um, hazard material, mitigation, things like that. The cross training, the firefighter uh, that I was in 1996 is nowhere, is nothing like what I, of the training that I have today. And, that, and that, that's not just me. That's that's hundreds of rocker firefighters that are well cross-trained in multiple disciplines. And I, I think that's amazing in itself. You know, the fact that just the, 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 the firefighter has evolved from kind of a one or two dimension type uh, worker to being multifaceted, to be able to answer whatever, whatever the community or whatever the citizens throw at us, the fire service, we figure out how to do it. We figure out how to answer that call. Um, and unfortunately, we had a, a lot of events in history that have shaped that, right? You have Oklahoma City bombing in 1995. You are, I believe, 95. I might be off a little bit on a year there. Or so um, you have 9/11. Um, is goes without saying okay. that um, you know when you have a a a terrorist act like that, that would typically be answered. You know, the call would be answered by the military or you know FBI or something like that. Well, New York City for example, was a prime example of how the first boots on the ground were the, were the New York City firefighters, the New York City police officers, the New York City paramedics. They were the first boots on the ground to answer that, that, that incident. Um, so when you bring up things like Katrina, you know, the firefighter anymore is absorbing all of this, this societal impact, you know, and it's a balancing act. You know, you're trying to do your best for people, for humans, and then you're trying to make yourself be okay, you know, with all of it. And the Rocket Fire Department has done a great job of getting things going, such as like peer-to-peer, um, where we have internal people who can help in case, you know, kind of guidance counselors, if you will, get you to places where you, if you find that you need help, if you just need someone to talk to. Um, we're doing things with, you know, Rosecrans and, you know, local mental health um, establishments to try to create programs where we can get people who we, um, who we, you know, go to help. They may not need an emergency room. What they need is is maybe a mental health facility or substance abuse uh, help, right. and the fire department is far more in tune with that than they've ever been. And we've created programs to support those avenues, and I that's the that's the evolution that I've seen in my twenty five years. Sure, yeah, and and I think that is and and that's probably really what I've seen in, in our in our in our friend's uh, son is that. Um, that he's been exposed, he's being slowly exposed to the multifaceted facets of, of training. And, and, and that's where in, so then it, it's showing in his personal development as well. Um, so you, you mentioned 9-11 and I know that is another uh, project that you got, got involved with um, more than a few years ago. And that was um, the 9-11 Memorial um, wall here in, here in Rockford. Why don't, you, why don't you tell us a little bit about that project and, and how you got involved and what, and what does that serve for the, the Rockford area? Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think it goes without saying that just about, you know, any emergency responder in the, in the country 
if you were around and in, in, if you were a firefighter, a police officer, uh, an EMT in, in 2001, when 9-11 happened, you know, you, you were angry. You were mad that, you know, more than 400 emergency responders lost their lives in a matter of a couple hours, you know, trying to save people. And that was the, the fallout of that is, is kind of this, how do I even wrap my mind around that? And I, and I wasn't there. I mean, that did not happen directly to me. It happened to friends, people who I know. I have a very dear friend out in New York City on the FDNY Fire Department. And, you know, I've spent a lot of time with him. Um, his name's, uh, was rich and, um, you know, we've shared a lot of conversations. He's confided. We've, 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 we've experienced some of that, um, trying to understand what that was all about together a little bit and in him far more than, than me. I have mad respect for what, what they dealt with out there. It, it impacted me. It left a, a, an impression on me. Um, I came upon a program on the internet, actually, uh, the Port Authority of New Jersey and uh, New York City and New Jersey were, they were collecting uh, artifacts or remains of, of the World Trade Center, and they were preserving it for this bigger project that was basically going nationwide. They were allowing um, entities, if you will, to uh, petition to get steel beams in order for those steel beams to be created into um, satellite memorials so that the country would not forget that 9-11 had happened is the way I take it. That's the way that I believe the, system, the, the program to, to be. Um, and I jumped on board. I, 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 I did some research. I wrote a letter. Um, I pestered the uh, Port Authority for a number of months. I didn't want them to forget about uh, what I was wanting to do. But I didn't really even know exactly what I was going to do. I just wanted to get my hands on these steel beams and do something. And when it uh, finally happened, uh, a friend of mine, uh, uh, Kyle Hill, who I work with on the Rockford Riker, Riker Fire Department, he's a captain, uh, he and I drove out to New York City together and we picked up these steel beams. And we brought them back to Rockford in 2010. And then we sat on them. And we formed a committee, we formed a non-for-profit. And once we got our 501c3 status, we just figured out like, okay, so we have to do something public with these beams. We have to make something happen. And it was created or born out of this idea of these steel beams to create a public memorial that would honor 9-11. But then we wanted to have a local face to it. So then we started to look back in history and see who were the responders who we had lost in the line of duty from Winnebago County. And we kind of brought those two ideas together so that the memorial would be a reflection of 9-11 or honoring that and a remembrance to the local responders who we've lost, you know, here in, in Winnebago County. And, that, and, that's, and that's for all first responders, right? Police, yeah. fire. Yep. Yep. So, so. Each year, the Memorial Park, which is downtown Rockford by the uh, Justice Center at 650 West State, you know, each year we, we, uh, we, re we remember 9-11. Um, we don't let any year pass. We always have a, a, a thought or a remembrance of 9-11 and sacrifice given. And then if you go down there, you'll see that there's now 27 names of local responders from various agencies around the county 
who are firefighters and police officers and uh, paramedics um, that have their each each have a memorial plaque, a name plaque that's uh, affixed to our memorial wall. Nice. So people can, you know, and, and I encourage people to go down there. And I think we did a nice job. It's a it's a beautiful. We took a very blighted area of Rockford and we turned it into something pretty, pretty positive. I think. Cool. Um, the reasoning for it to exist, it's unfortunate. You know, the fact that we had a 9-11 in this, in this world. Um, the fact that we do lose police officers in the line of duty. Um, in 2012, we lost the REACT helicopter. And uh, that, you know, that caused us to lose um, a, a pilot and two nurses. And so I, you know, those are the things that I hope people will go down. They'll see that, they'll, they'll see the names. They may know that person and just know that we didn't, we didn't forget them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, from the standpoint of, of, uh, I was just listening to a podcast earlier today um, about generational trauma and, and, and the grieving process. If it isn't, if it isn't experienced, if it isn't, um, because a lot of times in the midst of trauma, you know, we, we just try to get over it, right? We just try to, you know, suppress it. We don't want to talk about it, right? Kind of like what you had said, even, even in your story about how you got into fire service for a long time. It was hard to talk about that for all the reasons it was not only your age, but your close friend and all that. But because that was part of your story, but it wasn't the story, right? It was just part of the story. It wasn't the whole story. Right. That's where it needs to serve its place, but not be more than its place. Sure. And, and that's why I think it's so important that you get, that you led the charge uh, in, in doing that because it's not only remembering and honoring 9-11 and all the things that went into the rescue aspect of that, but then also so that we don't repeat history or, or set ourselves up to repeat history. But then also being able to create a space for people to go to um, who may have lost a family or a friend um, who's a responder. Uh, they need a, that's why we have cemeteries and why we have memorials is to create a space that's sacred for us to be able to um, go and, and, and experience that peace. It doesn't have to consume us. It, it can be an, an aspect of just allow us a, to acknowledge it, honoring ourselves as well as honoring that person. Sure. I, I think, I, I think that, you know, when I just to, you know, and, and just to, to make a point, um, you know, just two weeks ago, the memorial, uh, we hosted the, uh, the Brooke Jones story family who Brooke Jones story was the Illinois state trooper who was killed last year, uh, just, uh, West of Rockford. Um, and so, you know, we, we, we knew that we had to put her name on the wall. We had to work with, um, we needed to, you know, contact her husband and family and, you know, go through that process of, of saying, you know, this is who we are. This is why we exist. This is what we want to do for you. This is what we want to do for, for Brooke. Um, and then bring that together in a purposeful way and have it mean something you know, and have it stand for something. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, in two years, two years, 
um, earlier, we had done the same thing for Jamie Cox. You know, and I, and I can continue to go backwards in time now and say, okay, you know, this is where we were when this happened. This is what was happening in the world. This is where I was at, this is where you were at. And that becomes the connection point to me. Yep. You know, yep. that's where we can come back and go, okay, I, I know where I was at when this was happening. Yep. And hopefully, you know, we're not there to create bad memories. We're there to give a reason why your loved one did, did so much good for your community. That's why we're doing this. Yeah. 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 And I think it, and it, and it is, it's, it's one of those things that I think about when, when we're listening to that voice inside, when we're listening to that little, that intuition or that nudging and we go, all right, I I, I don't know what I'm going to do with these beams, but I know that I got to get, I got to, we got to figure out what we got to get them and then we're going to figure out what we're going to do and and then being intentional and, and, and continue to move ahead with something, even if it is at a slow pace and that's okay sometimes because it needs to, it needs time to, to gestate and be able to, uh, to slowly birth. But, but if we stay intentional and stay disciplined with that, kind of like when you were talking earlier about sometimes with sports and the arts, it takes time. Um, and it takes that consistent uh, uh, exposure and, and, and going back to it and, and trying to move that, move it ahead just a little bit. Um, some great things can come out of that. Now, I know you, you had talked about uh, 25, 25 years, coming about 25 years with the fire department. Um, you know, you're, you're still, still young because you're younger than me. So I, I say that you're young, <laughs> uh, still young, but I know that you're always involved with, you know, different types of things. And uh, so what, just briefly, what, what things are, what things are you involved with now? What types of projects or different ideas are you chasing after now? Well, so to, you know, just to touch on the memorial one more time, um, one of the great things that came out of that memorial was that we did establish um, a scholarship at Rock Valley College. So what we've begun to do is we are um, offering uh, scholarships to help students at RVC who are going through um, any of the emergency uh, avenues, whether they want to be a police officer, firefighter, an EMT, paramedic. So um, we've been giving out a scholarship to help with classes and books and things like that. And so I've actually had a really, I've enjoyed doing that's something that came out of the Memorial project that I was really happy that we were able to create with, with Black Valley college foundation. Um, so as I continue to kind of just manage the, the Memorial now, uh, with a, a small board of people, um, I'm transitioning, I'm in the public sector, but I'm getting into the private sector. I, I'm getting into um, a business and I, we've, we've started a business with myself and, and four other uh, partners. Uh, and we got on board with the hemp and CBD um, uh, industry. So we created a business called Planet Three. Uh, that is what I'm pretty much doing uh, when I'm not at the fire station anymore. You know, that's okay. my days are now filled and, you know, and I didn't know getting into it exactly where this was going to go. And we uh, obviously wanted it to be established as a legitimate business. Um, we wanted to understand what hemp and CBD was doing in America. Um, aside from uh, what people think and know about CBD or hemp, or really what they don't know about it, um, we really 
dug our heels in and started to educate ourselves as to why should we be in this industry? Why does the, first of all, why does the industry even exist in America? What is it doing? How can it, you know, is it, why should we care that hemp and CBD is, is a thing? Why is it a product? Why is it a, a nutrient that we want to pay attention to? And then, these, uh, these partners of mine, we just discovered so much potential. Um, we also discovered a lot of ways it was doing, it wasn't being done very well. So we decided that we could do it better. And we've gotten ourselves involved uh, to a point where um, this business is, is taking off for us. Nice. So, um, and, and so this is a business that's already started and, and, and it's, it's, and I know that you've given me some education about that and re regarding the product, you have a, a couple different products um, and, and, and really even more so than the product itself, you guys have gathered together a, 